Hello, everyone, and welcome to our next episode of The Spread, where we talk all things sports, creativity, and how they meet bottom line. I'm very excited to be here with Karen Dobres, former director of Lewis FC and one of the architects of their quality campaign. When I think about creativity, I really think about it from all angles and what Lewis FC has done in how they function as an organization, what they've done in the football industry as a real pioneer for equity is super creative and really interesting. So welcome, Karen, to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here and talk with you. Great to have you. So I would love to hear first about your journey to Lewis FC. How did you arrive there? Well, it's kind of a weird and interesting one because I never liked football. In fact, you know, I oh, really <laughs> yeah, I really didn't like it. But then what you have to know about that is I thought football was just for men. And I thought it was mm-hmm. men's football for various reasons, probably the main one being that in our country, in the UK, the FA, the football association that governs our footballing body, had banned women from playing football from 1921 to 1971. And therefore, culturally, football wasn't something that girls played. And culturally, it was something that boys kind of took over the playground at school playing. And mm-hmm. also as a you know, a young woman, I went to a football match and basically it was a very threatening atmosphere full of men shouting abuse at the pitch and also looking at me in a strange way that felt, you know, unwanted. Mm. Yeah, I really didn't like what I thought football was. And all that we saw on the TV was men's football. All that we saw in the sports pages of newspapers was men's football. So I kind of forgive myself for not knowing <laughs> even that women played football or Mm -hmm. any other idea of what football was other than what I saw in the media. Yeah. And so how did you go from that to ending up at Lewis FC and having this great career in football? Well, so let's go back to 2009 because I moved to Lewis from London in 2007. My husband is a massive football fan and immediately started to go and see the local football club, Lewis FC. In 2009, the club had what I would describe as a near-death experience. (laughs) There was a Mm -hmm. financial global crisis and they were going to wind the club up. Mm -hmm. But my husband and five of friends, fans, went about mutualizing the club to make it 100% community owned, Mm -hmm. which was a totally different way of thinking about the financial model of the club And it also informed the kind of agenda for the club as a whole. Now it would be something that was a community asset there to Mm -hmm. kind of benefit the whole community and create value for that community because the community were the owners or are the owners. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I became a community owner of a football club in 2009, not liking football, but thinking this is a great thing to do. You know, this this is a great way of doing things. It only cost me 30 pounds. And I thought, why not own a football club? What a laugh. (laughs) basically. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So then, so I knew a lot about the club from my husband who was involved as a director. And one of the things that the club would do, which is I think relevant to this podcast, was to do an art exhibition every year. And it was Mm. called Artists United. And, you know, you get the pun. (laughs) 
and it would bring together emerging and established artists. And I would help organise the show, basically. And I kind of got to know more about the club from organising that show every year. And then in 2017, two directors re-stood for election because now it was community-owned. It was run by a board of directors that were elected from amongst the ownership on the basis that if you vote for us, we will equalise the playing budgets of this football club. And one of those was Charlie, my husband. And he said, what would you think if we said we were going to pay the women the same as the men? And at that stage, I have to tell you, I didn't know there was a women's team there. And I said, what, oh, wow. you mean there are women playing football there and they don't get paid the same as the men? <laughs> uh-huh. So that's, I got involved because basically the board was largely male and they needed a female perspective on it. And they asked me, once I'd been to see the women play, which I was now very intrigued to see, I thought it was life-changing for me, that experience of seeing the women play football there. I saw it as an antidote to sexism. I saw that you could speak to men through football. And I saw that these women were going against all the restrictive stereotypes that I'd been brought up with. And I didn't Mm -hmm. want my son and my daughter to have those stereotypes. So I thought I want to get involved. So Charlie and Ed, the other director who had introduced equality, you know, to Lewis said to me, well, you know, we need more women like you. (laughs) So I made a list of women's organizations who I went to, who I eventually called unwelcome women, because I'd never been Mm -hmm. welcome to football. And Mm -hmm. I asked them to come to Lewis FC women's matches in solidarity with the cause for equality. And then I went about thinking of all sorts of ways of attracting them and making our football ground welcome to those women. And I felt myself to be customer zero. And I thought, if I feel welcome here, if I can get my oat milk in the hatch that sells tea, if I can get some, I'm not vegan, but if I can get some vegan food here, if I can make Mm -hmm. sure there are breastfeeding facilities, if I can make Mm -hmm. sure that women when they come will feel welcomed and comfortable to be here and not threatened, that the women's toilets has free sanitary products, all of those things that maybe Mm -hmm. the men weren't thinking about. If I could think about those things and devise campaigns around them, then I knew that it would work. I knew that women would like football once they knew what it actually was. And I Mm -hmm. knew that women's football stood for so much more than just football. And I thought we could all bloody well benefit from that, (laughs) Carrie. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how I got involved as a volunteer. Uh Uh-huh. And so... Tell me, how did you go from being a volunteer to being a director? Yeah, well, as I haven't completely explained, but the club, when you buy a share in the club, which is now it's £50, I think, you have the right to stand to be a director and you Mm -hmm. have the right to vote for the elected board of directors. So they have then a democratic mandate to make decisions about the club strategy and I decided after, must have been about a year and a half, two years maybe of volunteering and things were going stratospheric. I mean, basically within two seasons of Equality FC, we'd quadrupled the women's gate figure. And this was crucial because the critics of equality said that, and you might think, oh, well, how could people criticize equality? But believe me, they did. <laughs> oh, yeah. Said, Why should the women get the same as the men when they don't get the same gate figure? So mm-hmm. it was very, very important for us to, you know, show that 
purpose and profit were united here and mm-hmm. that we could, mm-hmm. once we'd paid the women the same and not just paid them, but resourced them equally, like they always yeah. had played in the same pitch, but really the mm-hmm. same marketing, the same thought behind them, the same social media handles and social media handling, you know, that we would be able to attract more of a market for them. So we quadrupled the gate in two seasons and that was proof of concept really proof of concept that once you resource women equally to men the gate figures start to align which they did and have and you can make just as much profit as it were from doing something morally correct so yeah you know i stood to be a director and got voted in part of the reason for that was one of the things i'd done was encourage so many women to become owners of our club that i'm sure mm-hmm. they voted me in to the board and once on the board i led on our impact on the world. I helped with our fan and community engagement, which are two crucial pillars to our football club and was able, of course, to contribute to the decision-making at the senior level of the board. And that was, I think, a very useful thing for someone that had never been into football and could think afresh about you know, how we should do things and not necessarily follow olden paths. So if we're talking about creativity, you know, I think my response to some of our decisions was probably very important. Absolutely. And that really makes me think of how an outsider lens can be so valuable. In my industry in design and branding, a lot of times I have cases where clients want to work with a designer, a studio, or an agency that has a lot of experience within their discipline. And Mm. I often make the devil's advocate case, I guess, devil's advocate, otherwise, or maybe just a good business case that Mm. an outsider lens can be even more valuable because sometimes when you're so steeped inside of something, you miss opportunities and you could bring someone in who is not within it and come up Mm. with all these creative ideas for how to amplify it. I think it's true. I think, you know, there are things that I'm connected to and thinking about that other directors wouldn't have been. So for Mm -hmm. example, we have at the Dripping Pan, the Dripping Pan is our home ground, an eight foot high statue of female bisexual pirates from the 18th century. Oh, that's amazing. Well, it's an unusual thing, right, for a football club to have. And it's beautiful work of art, by the way. It's just incredible. It's called Inexorable. And I think it very much describes teamwork. And what happens when you kind of work together and bring different personalities together? Because the women, by the way, are called Anne Bonnie and Mary Reed, and their stories are undertold. And they were they commandeered ships in the age of the golden age of piracy around Jamaica. You know, they had to dress as boys initially, one from London, one from Ireland, to join a pirate ship because women were considered bad luck at sea. <laughs> All sorts of things happened to them, like the statue itself, the sculpture tells a massive story like the woman who the fiery one has holes in her back it's hard to describe like in words you have to come to dripping pan and see it one day (laughs) that she has holes because she couldn't go to the ship's doctor after a thrashing because she would have revealed that she was a woman and the normal Mm -hmm. thing to do was to go to the ship's doctor you know after Mm -hmm. a thrashing but they couldn't go And it's just so interesting, you know, seeing one of them has glittery bits in the marine concrete because she was so attracted to treasure. And the other one is very solid and was very practical and strategic in her thinking. But bring them together and you have this spontaneity as well as this planning 
and they were, you know, massively successful pirates. I don't know if they're great role models because of they were violent <laughs> you know, and ruthless, but they were very successful. And the reason we have that at our football club is because, you know, it was rejected from somewhere else. I saw the BBC News story because of the channels that I'm looking at, and I offered the sculptor the chance to show this at the Dripping Pan. And once she found out about our equality campaigning, she was keen as long as they mm-hmm. face in the direction of the sea, she was okay with it, right? So they face in the direction of the sea mm. by our fry's hut <laughs> and they watch the match and they're looking to the sea and they and we've planted sea buckthorn by them so that they feel at home. Everyone has oh. to feel included at our football ground. And I just think, you know, it's something that I, it's just a kind of crazy example of the kind of things that I would be thinking about that I can unite, mm-hmm. you know, sports with art for example, and culture at mm-hmm. our ground mm-hmm. because I'm thinking about it. So it's an example of bringing diversity in. But there's loads mm-hmm. of examples like that. We have a community garden at the club, you know, and that really is about culture. It's about, you know, culturing fruit and veg and, <laughs> and flowers and fruit trees and all the things we do. And that is from one of our men's players, a midfielder called Bradley Pritchard. It's called Brad's Pit, by the way. <laughs> we just asked owners what we should call it, you know, and that's suggestion mm-hmm. one. And, you know, that really is about growing good food and good relationships. Again, it's mm-hmm. unusual for a football club. Why would Bradley do that? Well, because he was attracted to play for our football club because of our, we don't just talk about inclusion, diversity and equality. There mm-hmm. are so many ways in which we practice it. And so he wanted to have that written into his contract that if he joins us, not only will he play for us, but he will start a community garden. I think that says a lot about the kind of things that we do at Lewis FC and how equality means so much more than just, you know, people see it as a tick box, don't they? But really, you have to have diversity in leadership positions, but you also have to have diversity in terms of your actions that you can mm-hmm. show to people and signal to people what you're about. So we're talking representation and visibility of representation at all levels. Otherwise, to me, you're not really doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me more about some of these activations, because the few that you've mentioned so far are extremely creative, and I never would have thought of them as related to football at all. So you mentioned sanitary products in the bathroom and these ways that you initially had these ideas of how to make women feel welcome. So I'd love to hear more, some other examples with what the club has done with fan engagement. I can definitely give you examples, but I think what is really important is to understand that none of these things are done, you know, just by chance. These Mm -hmm. are things that come from our core mission which is to be fans of change. We are fans of change. Mm -hmm. And the reason we're fans of change is because we actually want to do things differently. Doing things differently involves creativity. So in every single aspect of our culture, I hope that you would find a creative response to a problem. Maybe other people wouldn't even see as a problem, but bear in mind Mm -hmm. we're trying to change things. So as soon as we became community-owned, you know, we're talking about creating benefit for our owners, we are driving, therefore, social change, using football as a vehicle for that. So for me personally, and I say this without any shame, the football is not the main thing. It's the platform and it's the driver. Mm -hmm. And without it, we'd be nothing. But the reason I do what I do is to use the football as a platform to do good. 
right? So if we take that as our driving point, you know, that is really our raison d'etre is, is to do, mm-hmm. to create value. So we look around. So other examples, for example, are as soon as you come into the football club, you will see a sign telling you where you can feed your baby. Now, at first, there weren't many people that necessarily want to feed their baby, but over the years, our changing mat and our breastfeeding facilities and our feeding facilities have been used more and more um, mm-hmm. because, you know, it's a sign to tell people what is possible here and the kind of things that we are thinking about. It's before you see any sign about where the beer is, you know. Mm-hmm. So it just mm-hmm. if you have people, away fans coming to men's matches, that tells them something. Then you mm-hmm. have another garden, actually, by the player's steps, which are cleaner, Lou. She doesn't have a garden at home. And she asked, could she make a garden? And we said, yes. And she's growing flowers and things and has a seat there. And she can stay there whenever she likes. And it's beautiful. So when the players come down from the changing room, down the player's steps, they see all these flowers on the right-hand side. That's another example. But a lot of our campaigning work is about is creative, I would say, if you look at our match day posters for the women. What we do with the posters, so we use things like movies or album covers or book covers, anything that's in popular culture to advertise our football matches or some sort of popular slogan. So if you look at the men's posters, what we've been doing, what Charlie's been doing actually since we became community-owned is relating football to culture on a much wider level. So mm-hmm. you might see Obama's Hope slogan for one of our matches, or we're called the Rooks. So, you know, the Rook in the book and a picture of the cat in the hat. You know, I'm trying to think mm-hmm. of all the different mm-hmm. and let We use all these posters. And so with the women, when we started to with Equality FC, the first season, we used an inspirational woman from the away team's locale. She had nothing to do with football, but we were honouring the fact that women in football, women football players, have to face a lot of obstacles before they mm-hmm. can actually play football, especially at elite level. So mm-hmm. we honoured the away team. So although we would be very competitive on the pitch, off the pitch, we were very collaborative and we would choose mm-hmm. someone famous from their hometown and put them on our poster and then have a small picture of the player in the corner and the away team's badge as well as our badge. And then we went global the following season and we'd get an inspirational woman from around the globe and put her in a footballing position. So we had, for example, Greta Thunberg as a goalie saving the world. So the globe was the ball. Mm -hmm. And we had Manal Al-Sharif, the woman who campaigned for women in Saudi Arabia to be able to drive. She was our minibus driver. You know, she was sort of leaning Mm -hmm. against the minibus with her Mm -hmm. headscarf on. Just like lots of creative ways of attracting people to our matches, but also letting our owners around the globe, because now we have owners in 42 countries around the world, know that we were thinking of them and thinking of ourselves as a global movement now, so or a global mm-hmm. one, you know, local and global. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the season after that, we had our own football players in sort of you know, as Thelma and Louise, you know, in Thelma mm. and Louise or as, you know, as Amy Winehouse on the front of Back to Black. And we would use those. We've kind of gone further each season with those kind of cultural references. Mm-hmm. So, yes, our responses have just, we've just had to not do it like other football clubs do it because generally speaking, they are aping men's football And that is what we don't want to do with women's football. We want to create our own trajectory based on our own values. 
Mm-hmm. So we just have to do things differently. And they don't always work, to be honest mm-hmm. you know, with you, Kerry. Mm-hmm. They don't always work, but we have to be, as anyone does that's a pioneer, you have to be prepared to fail. Mm-hmm. And you know, creativity comes from everywhere. It comes from literally everywhere. It can be anything that anyone is thinking about. As long as you stick to your mission, ours is fans of change, and you have those parameters and you have to know you're trying to appeal to new people and create a link between football and culture, um, then you're good to go. If it doesn't mm-hmm. work, you can find out, you know. So, you know, you won't get the ownerships, you won't get the sponsorships, you won't get the people coming to matches. So, yeah, we just keep trying new things. And so far, so good, we've broken new ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, that makes me think of a comparison in my industry. We do a lot of brand strategy work for various types of businesses. And that's always a big point that I make is that you need to have your positioning and your mission really stable because it's the foundation for everything else. Yeah. I've worked with a bunch of startups or kind of mid-sized companies that maybe have been going, 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 building a business, but don't have that. And then they're kind of floundering. So some of the work we do is to help them establish that foundation. So it's very inspiring to hear how not only that the mission that you have is so strong and how everything you do is pointing back to it, but also how creative the work that has come out of it is and how not just trying to replicate the men's football and the things that have been done there, but really think about it differently. Yeah. And sorry, it's just so important, isn't it? What you're Mm -hmm, saying, mm -hmm. it's just so important for anyone that is trying to, you know, have success in their business is to have very strong values and be very true to those mm-hmm. values and check with themselves that actually what they're producing is working for those values and working very, very hard. Because, you know, we don't get many chances for success. Mm-hmm. And talking about it from Lewis FC's point of view, we have been very successful and we play clubs. We played Manchester United last season. We beat Liverpool the season before that. We're currently in a league where we're playing clubs like Charlton and Crystal Palace who have big men's teams on the other mm-hmm. side of them to support them. We have a very small men's team in non-league football who are brilliant but don't have money, you know. Mm-hmm. So we need to trade on our quirks, mm-hmm. right? So we need to come back to those brand values and we need to work very, very hard with them because we're a disruptor brand, aren't we? That's what they say, disruptor mm-hmm. brand. We have to make that work in every single thing that we do. Mm-hmm. We can't just be leaving anything to chance. We don't have that good luck, as it were, because we really are up against the big boys. And everything we do, we have to think very strongly about and go back to that mission as fans of change. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's working. I read a statistic that said attendance and sponsorship have grown by 20 times since you initiated equal wages for the men's and the women's team. I mean, it, it's so, got- yeah, it's gone up radically. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you say not every campaign works, which I think is normal in marketing. And every campaign doesn't have to work if some of them work and are producing these kinds of results. So I'm curious what you've heard, because you've had this financial success, you're building a global brand. I'm curious how it's impacting the local community, both the fans 
in Lewis as well as the players. What are the players' experience? Can you give me an example of maybe one or two about you know how they've changed as a person or as a player since they've joined? Oh, that's a really nice question. You know, I've worked with a lot of our players, mm-hmm. and you know, we had a player called Shannon. Shannon Maloney, who now works in Thailand with girls football. And she came to Parliament with me, you know, to talk mm-hmm. at an APPG for sports, modern slavery and human rights. And sharing her story was, I think it was fantastic for her. She really enjoyed doing it, but she really moved everybody. She'd played for Tottenham Hotspur before and that you see they hadn't mm-hmm. had as much training kit as the men. They hadn't had nearly the same resource. They hadn't had medical mm-hmm. attention with the ACL problems or anything like that. And Mm -hmm. she shared her story of her socks, you know, and not having socks to wear for training because they only got one pair so that she'd have to put a wash on at night at 11 p.m. Oh, wow. For them to be ready for the next night because they also had full-time jobs. This is just a few years ago, you know. Wow. Because football has been massively under-resourced for so many years. You know, she also came to quite a few business conferences with me and shared her story and people were crying in the Mm -hmm. audience. And it made her realize the power of her story, actually. And then we had Katie Rood, another, she played for New Zealand. She also played for Lewis and she was a vegan activist. She still is a vegan activist and a climate change mm-hmm. campaigner. And that was a massively brilliant alignment for Lewis FC because, mm-hmm. you know, a campaigning football club. And she was able to use her activism and come to assemblies with me and talk about why women footballers should be paid and regarded in the same way as men. And she found it it hugely helpful. She was on national news with me, you know, we've done all sorts of things together, hugely helpful to refine her story and to do her media work, which she now does a lot more of. And various players, you know, we've just had, we've even just literally just signed a coach called Natalie, who was the assistant New Zealand coach, who says mm-hmm. she's come to Lewis because of our values. You know, mm-hmm. and we had an amazing head of performance until recently called Kelly Lindsay, who played for US Women and was also the whistleblower in the Afghan women's abuse scandal because she coached the Afghan women's team. And she is an amazing woman and was an amazing colleague to work with who came to us because of equality. Mm-hmm. You know, so. We just have some amazing people attracted to us because of the work that we do. And I think we're really lucky in that. And then you asked about fans and we Mm -hmm. had a fan survey done, you know, about a year ago now, which told us that we were the, after the Lionesses, Lewis FC women were the next most famous English women's team globally, which is incredible. Oh, wow. That That is incredible. Brought us one of our major sponsors called Zero, but- Mm -hmm. In that survey, it said that 73% of Lewis FC men's team supporters state they think about gender equality more now than they did five years ago. 63% of Lewis fans think about the impact of football on society because of Lewis FC. And 60% of Lewis fans have undertaken a purpose-driven action inspired by Lewis FC's campaigns. So we have these fans around the world Mm -hmm. who are affected by what the football club does. And it mm-hmm. doesn't surprise me because football has such a massive influence mm-hmm. over the hearts and minds of fans mm-hmm. around the world. And what pleases me is that a lot of these fans are men. Mm-hmm. You know, I want us to be speaking to men because we live in mm-hmm. a patriarchy, do we not? And that mm-hmm. means that men have power. 
And if we can affect those men through football, something that they love, through talking to them about gender equality in football, through talking to them about women footballers and women playing football, then I think we will change the world. Yeah, that is huge. I got chills listening to what you were saying because that's one of the reasons I love working in sports as well is because they're so influential culturally. Yes. I think sports and music are really the two top things culturally that influence people across the world, values-wise, aesthetics-wise, how they relate to each other. They bring people together, how they teach things like you know, the arts and competition and all these things that are important in life and what Lewis FC is doing with kind of a really radical approach to football and what, how it influences culture at large is amazing. And it's such an inspiring example of the power of sport, especially when thought of through a new lens. I think so. But I think, you know, I'm of an age now where I've done, you know, I've had different careers. I like, you know, I've Mm -hmm. been involved in therapy for quite a long time and I was in the music industry Mm -hmm. with that. Before Mm -hmm. that, I was involved in fashion and I bring all those things to football. And I think that I'm of an age where I want to change the world. I'm fed up Mm -hmm. of just talking at conferences and just talking with lots of other women about, you know, how difficult it is and what we can do and we we do all we can, you know, and it's brilliant and it's great support, but it's actually with a football club, you can actually get shit done. You know, Mm -hmm, you can actually mm -hmm. take actual steps to do things that will affect things. And that really appeals to me, you know, Mm -hmm. like you can grab a bunch of kale from the community garden, tie it up with a ribbon and give it to the player of the match rather than a bottle of wine. And then Mm -hmm. those photographs of the chairman and that male player of the match with a bunch of kale will go round all of your social media and talk to your male fans and give them a different representation of what it means to be a big, strong man, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the same with our women. We can do amazing things saying to schools, we're bringing a footballer with us to talk to you about equality. And then we turn up with a woman and half of our job is done. You know, we Mm -hmm. can get stuff done by changing the way people think about who their heroes are and who is Mm -hmm. strong and who isn't in the world. Mm -hmm. So with all of your successes, I'm certain they've come with challenges. So I'm curious to hear about maybe one example of a challenge that you faced and oh. how yeah. you move forward from it. Oh my goodness. So many. I'll give you a very simple <laughs> I'm going to give you a really simple one that will show you okay. what I'm like and the problems I've had. So when I went to my first board meeting, mm-hmm. I was the only woman in that meeting. There was another woman on the board, but she couldn't make that meeting. And there were 10 men around a big table. And I came in and I knew that these meetings went on for a long time, right? Four hours usually. Mm-hmm. So oh, I, I okay. yeah, I know, right? 6.30 till it could be 10, 10.30 at night. Yeah. I saw a table by the big table with the urn and the coffee on it and the tea and the tea bags and the milk and the sugar and all the things, but no one had a cup of tea or a cup of coffee, you know? And I thought, well, that's strange. So I said, I'm going to get a cup of tea. Does anyone want one? Mm -hmm. And I got everyone putting the same, I'll have coffee black 
oh, I'll have coffee, but can you just put a little bit of milk? I'll have tea with two sugars. And suddenly I was the only woman in the room and I was making tea and coffee for all of wow. the men <laughs> around the table. And it took me about 10 minutes and I had to remember all their orders. And I missed the first 10 minutes of the meeting, right? And I put everyone's drinks around them. And I thought, I've just marked myself as a woman in this meeting. And I've mm-hmm, just played mm-hmm. into every stereotype I could possibly imagine. And mm-hmm. I thought to myself, oh, you know what? And I felt under, I felt devalued, like, the, mm-hmm. like I was the servant in the room. And they all just about said, thank you, when I put it in front of them, you know. And I just thought, well, you know what? I'm never going to go near the kettle again at a board meeting. So mm-hmm. that's one thing I learned. I don't think it's necessarily a good thing. It's more of a kind of a temporary thing until you get more women on the board. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because I'd like to think that we'd all learn to make the tea for everyone. But I realized right. that I needed not to for a while. So I did mm-hmm. decided I stopped myself because I am mm-hmm. socially conditioned like so many of us. Right. My mother taught me and my sister, the minute someone walks through the door of our house, you make them a cup of tea and a sandwich, right? Mm-hmm. So I didn't go as far as the sandwiches, thank goodness. But um, <laughs> I just stopped myself for the next couple of years making anyone a cup of tea at a meeting. And that's something I learned. I have to just check myself that I'm not playing into this soup of conditioning that we're all part of and that I'm actually watching myself and my own conditioning and trying not to perpetuate sexism. Right. Yeah. And we're all conditioned, as you said, and we all do these things. And so taking notice and learning from it, I think is all you can do, right? Yeah. But you know, it's so difficult. It's such a difficult line to tread, isn't it? Mm-hmm. When you're yeah, bringing different people into an organization that's not geared up to them. And so mm-hmm. you're a bit of an imposter. But we're saying imposter is a good thing, right? We're saying that. But there are challenges that mm-hmm. can't, you know, even though it's a good thing, you know, you're learning how to be so that you can be of benefit to the organization and you're learning how to take care of yourself within an organization Mm -hmm. that is not geared up to taking care of you. You know, whether you're Mm -hmm. black coming into an all-white environment, whether you're young coming into an environment full of older people, you know, you need to take care of yourself as well as bring your juiciness, you know, to this more homogenous culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And along the lines of challenges, I'm curious to hear, because what Lewis FC is doing is so different from traditional men's football, have you gotten criticism from fans, from people who don't really get it? Have you gotten any criticism from anyone who you've seen kind of turn, like they learn by experiencing the club and they kind of shift? I'm just kind of curious what the experience on the other side has been. Yes, definitely. You know, there are people who didn't want equality at the club, but one director, you know, he left the board because of it. And after a difficult conversation, he decided to leave. And, you know, that's public knowledge. He wrote a blog about that afterwards and said that the board had become more like a political party than a football club, which I Mm -hmm. dispute. I don't think that's true at all. I think it's just Mm -hmm. about being aware of what our agenda was which is about Mm -hmm. creating value for the whole community, not just some of it. So I would argue that till the cows come home, 
you know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and then that director, and then you know, fans. Of course, there are fans who, you know, maybe think that somehow change is going to, you know, give them less than they had before. But it's mm-hmm. very important that you know I say now, and I've always said that we didn't lower the men's budget in order to you know make it equal to the women's. We raised the women's budget to meet the men's. There were no one lost out. And I think as the years have gone by and people have seen the benefits of equality, that criticism becomes much less vocalised and we don't hear it much, if at all, anymore. Because, for example, last season we got a brand new state-of-the-art pitch from the FA and the Premier League, cost three quarters of a million pounds mm-hmm. because of the work on the women's side. And the men obviously benefit from that pitch as well because mm-hmm. they play on it. So, you know, that's one's a very concrete example of the benefits of equality. The kind of sponsors that we've got in, the money always goes between the men's and the women's, goes to the whole club. So mm-hmm. the men benefit from the equality story, as it were. But then the women benefit from what the men do as well. I mean, it's, it's incredible when you see it actually working on the ground. Mm-hmm. Like, For example, our men have a whole call him out campaign where they call out misogyny or sexism within themselves. Mm-hmm. They've also called out homophobia and racism. That's why I add those two on. But it essentially was about misogyny and sexism. We've all done bystander mm-hmm. training. And we mm-hmm. know what if, if away fans come and they're going to shout at someone, we will call them out. And the men's mm-hmm. team are vocal about that. And I love them for it. What can I say? They're more than male allies. They're male agents of change. I always say it like that. So, yeah, fans, I think we're winning people over. The groundsman, the volunteer groundsman, Roger, who's amazing, at first, he said to me when I first volunteered with the Equality Campaign, he said to me, Karen, you know, I wouldn't bother going to see a ladies' match. I prefer the county boys than ladies' match. Now he says to me, he's a big fan of the women's team. You know, he's seen how great women's football is. He wouldn't mind me saying that, thank goodness. But, you know, one of the things we introduced when we were attracting a new market of women to the ground was Prosecco on tap. And I have to tell you that a lot of the men's fans hugely benefit from Prosecco on tap and love it (laughs) more than the women. And Roger is one of them. So, you know, they've seen the benefits and these are real Mm -hmm. life stories of how it works on the ground and the practice. And what I don't like about the culture that we generally see at the moment is cancel culture and not dialoguing Mm -hmm. about things. And when we have Mm -hmm. face-to-face conversations with people, which we do have at football matches, you know, you can actually dialogue with people. And you don't shut them down. You say, why are you saying, why are you shouting he's gay, a player? Mm -hmm. What's your problem? You know, aren't we all Mm -hmm. human beings together here? Explain it to me. Unpack it for me. What's your thinking behind that? And I will have those. I do. This is actually a conversation I've had. You know, Mm -hmm. I do have those conversations. I'm happy to have them. And I think all of us are. That's our culture. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I believe that at the core, we all have the capacity to be good and we want that. And it's just, as you were saying, this excessive social conditioning that we've all experienced. And it's beautiful to hear how someone who was conditioned to only view football as a men's sport, didn't want to see ladies football, can be exposed to it and totally changes beliefs about it. And I think it's just, yeah, it's amazing that, you know, real change is coming from what you're doing at the ground level and globally as well. I mean, it's hard work. 
Don't get me mm-hmm. wrong. It's hard work because in a way it's slower. You know, it's like mm-hmm. having individual conversations with people yeah. is slower than you might like. But once you reach, you know, a certain amount of people that so either like-minded people or people that have changed mm-hmm. in order to support now, you know, like Roger, you know, then I think you reach a tipping point of people where you suddenly have a movement and that's what yeah. you're aiming for. Yeah. And I think that's a perfect segue as we wrap up our conversation. I always like to end asking about other organizations in sports that span sports and creativity that inspire you. So could you tell us three other of your favorite organizations in the world of sports and creativity? Yeah, I mean, I think that's quite a hard one. Because I don't actually know of many organizations doing sports and creativity. You probably know so many, far more than me. But I recently met, so I'm speaking at the Athens Women's Football Summit again in October, and I'm Mm -hmm. speaking on a fashion panel. And I met a woman who does a, she's got a website called Able Made. It's a brilliant product, actually. It's based on soccer fans' fashion but it's for everybody. It's for, you know, off the pitch fashion and it's sustainably made. And part of the profit goes into making these, you know, football clubs or workshops for young kids. Mm-hmm. So I love it. It's called Able Made. She's called Suzanne. So that's a good one to look up. It's high end. So it's quite nice gear, you know. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then I really like, I don't know if I can say it properly, Superhero by a woman called Marina. I'm going to have to look it up properly for you. She's a female former soccer player making Mm -hmm. clothing for like athleisure clothing for Mm -hmm. athletes, but also, you know, anyone can wear them because she's thinking about it from the point of view of an athlete. So she makes, like I looked at her shorts and they've kind of got these massive waistbands that are really Mm -hmm. useful because you can turn them down and stuff. It's called something like Supra Hera right? We can check it and put it in the notes. We'll check Um, it and put it in the show notes. Yeah. yeah. She's called Marina Paul. I love that organization as well. And then I really like websites like Versus and Give Me Sport that I think approach sport reporting slightly differently and are very creative about it. And I follow them. And I've mentioned the art of football as well that produced our FA Cup campaign Mm because we campaigned for equalization of the FA Cup prize fund. And they did us some really nice t-shirts with a kind of scales or balance going on Mm -hmm. they were great they're called art of football so yeah i'll mention those thank you those are all great well this (laughs) has been such a wonderful conversation i'm leaving feeling really inspired by all of your work so thank you so much thank you it's been a pleasure 